What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Surfing the Stream, where every week we are on a quest to find out what is the greatest movie of all time. I am Matt Primo, and today we are technically not concluding horror in review, but we are concluding horror in review with our final review of the series today. We are reviewing It Follows, a movie that this would be the third time that I've seen it, and I've liked it a little bit more each time, so I'm super excited to really dive into this movie and kind of give you my thoughts and opinions of this movie the third time, because typically, like, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit, like, the first time that I watched this movie, I thought it was fine, like, I, I thought there were some cool things in it, but I thought it was kind of overrated, to be honest with you, everybody was saying, this is like, oh man, this is like one of the most recent best horror movies that we've seen, and I'm like, but was it though? And I usually have a two or three watch rule on a lot of movies. Like movies that like, I okay, maybe this movie is, you know, a lot of people say this movie is good or great. I'm not really feeling it. So maybe, I don't know, in a year or so, a couple months down the road, I'll give it another shot, you know, because expectations and kind of what your your mindset is going into a movie affects that movie a lot, I think, since I've started the podcast anyways. But as I've already mentioned, this is the final review of Horror in Review Part 4, the entire month of October for this fourth annual series that we do. We have been watching and reviewing nothing but the subgenre of horror, possession slash haunting. And like I said in in all the reviews that we've done so far, this is my favorite subgenre in the horror genre. So I was very excited to jump into this series overall. And when we do the top 10 episode, when we do the top 10 movies in that subgenre of possession slash haunting, I will, I will kind of go over uh, whether or not this met my expectations in terms of was did, did it live up to the expectations of being my favorite subgenre and how much I loved it versus didn't like it. So we're going to dive all into that in the top 10 episode. So super excited to do the top 10 episode. It's going to be very interesting where I kind of put all of my movies. Like I have an idea of what my top 10 is at this point, but it could be rearranged on a, mo on a moment's notice for sure. But before we jump into the review for It Follows, if you want to support us, join us at Patreon, patreon.com slash two game. We would greatly appreciate your support, or you can go support us by buying some merch. It is becoming a little bit colder weather out there, so this is the perfect time to go get a dope-looking hoodie with our logo on it. It would help us with you know advertising, but also some of the money that comes from that purchase goes right back to the podcast for us to get better equipment and uh, to make all the content better for you. But all the links to our Patreon, our merch, social media accounts, all that is down below. Make sure you hit like, subscribe uh, on all this content so that you know when we up upload uh, new content so you don't miss an episode. But that's enough of that bullshit. Let's jump into the review. It follows the plot. A young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. This movie was directed by David Robert Mitchell who has directed two other movies that I've never really heard of. But after watching this movie, I'm uh, greatly intrigued by some of his movies. 
And those two movies are The Myth of the American Sleepover and uh, Under the Silver Lake. This movie had a budget of right around $1 to $1.3 million, depending on where you look at on the internet. And it grossed $21.9 million. Uh, it stars Maka Monroe, Keir Gilchrist, and Olivia Lucardi. Probably saying those names wrong. Go fuck yourself. It has a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes, and it was released March 13th, 2015. Jumping into some of the fun facts for y'all. The film's concept derives from a reoccurring nightmare the director used to have, in which he would be stalked by a predator that continually walked slowly towards him. Uh, the time frame of the movie is intentionally kept undefined, so that it kind of resembles a dream. Some of the cars shown are from more recent times. Uh, many appear to be from the 60s to late 80s. Um, there are like old-timey television sets that are shown wherever the characters are watching movies. Uh, conflicting technology includes Yara on a, on a device that looks like a shell compact, but she reads from it like an ebook reader and uses it as a light source at one point. And then also the girl at the beginning of the film uses a cell phone and drives a modern automobile with several modern vehicles in view, which is interesting. So keep that thought because we're going to come right back to that. Okay. So Dave Robert Mitchell has cited the works of George Romero and John Carpenter as major influences on his style of filming and creative decisions on this film. Uh, those are really the two biggest fun fact or three biggest fun facts that I've seen. Um, I know this, I guess this really isn't a fun fact, but it was filmed mostly in Michigan for tax advantages and then they end up grossing over $20 million. I mean, I mean, that's not the, the biggest return on investment that we've ever seen on the podcast. It, it's definitely not, but I mean, that's, that's, that's actually pretty decent for a lower cost budget film. And before we jump into the actual review, my thoughts and opinions, what's very funny is I, I watched this movie yesterday, and then I'm surfing surfing the web. You know, I'm, I'm cruising Facebook and, and whatnot, and then I see something from Rotten Tomatoes, and that is there will be a follow-up to It Follows called They Follow. And I want to – I say that because I want to lead straight into the actual ending of this movie because I have a thought on the movie, and that is – I love how the end, or let me rephrase that. I have a note written down about the ending of the movie. Before I ever saw the news that there was a sequel to this movie starring Maka Monroe and the director returning as well. I, I, I love how the, the film is kind of, I don't know, not indecisive, but inconclusive in terms of is that person behind them at the end of the movie, is it the curse following them, or is it just is it is it shown in a way to make you think or question whether it is real or not? And I, when when you watch it, you think, yeah, you know, I kind of like that. I kind of like the uh, the the mystery of it. But then we get news that there's gonna be a sequel with her returning and the director returning, and it's like. Ah, you know, this probably isn't as mysterious as I as I would liked it to have been. 
Um, most likely it was the the demon or the curse following them at the very end. So I wanted to go ahead and get that out the way before I talk about the rest of the movie. I do like the ending, like the very, very end. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how the whole thing with them going into the pool and throwing a television sets and then shooting the demon I'm not sure how they, I'm not sure what they thought that was going to solve or how that was going to play out. Um, so honestly, I think we could have probably done a little bit better with that aspect of the movie. Honestly, that is probably my least favorite portion of the entire movie is is the whole pool scene. Um, I, I just think we could have done something better. Uh, you know, made it a little bit scarier in, in that fashion. I, I just don't think, like when you think about it, like what was it going to solve? What what did the kid? What did they hope was going to happen? Like you shot the demon several scenes prior at the beach. You shot him. You shot the demon, and she got right back up and started following you again. So you've already kind of set the rules that you can't kill this thing. It's just going to keep following you. The only way to get rid of it is to pass on the curse. So I, I'm not a huge fan of that portion of the movie towards the end. But the actual ending itself where where Paul decides to, or let me phrase that, where Jay finally lets Paul have sex with her, and then he goes and has sex with prostitutes, you know, honestly, that's best case scenario when you think about it, you know, best case scenario. You go have sex with a prostitute, prostitute passes it on to dozens of other people, right? So to me, that seemed like a good idea. So is the demon at the very end following them because, I don't know, all the people have been killed up to this point and now it reverts back to him? Or is it following them just because, you know, kind of like the, uh, was it, what was his name, Hugh at the very beginning, um, the, the, the boyfriend that originally passed it on to Jay, uh, you know, he still saw the demon even after passing it on. So is it kind of one of those things? So... All in all, I do like the mis- the mystery of the ending and the actual ending itself, not the pool scene uh, by any means. But we we don't typically jump into the ending straight off the bat with these movies. Um, we usually start at the beginning and whatnot. But you know what? I, I felt like that had to that had to be said. Okay, I feel like that had to be said because that is one of the issues that I had with the movie and probably what holds it back from being a truly masterful film. All right, so now let me go back and kind of start over with all this, okay? I absolutely love this movie. Really, really love this movie, guys. So I've already mentioned that I've seen it twice before this this third watch, right? And I, I liked it, didn't love it the first time. By any means, I, I thought it was, it was, oh, actually, you know what, I'm going to be completely honest. It was a different style of horror movie that I was used to, and I didn't watch it until I started the podcast, and I was, I, I was just thrown off by it, right? Because it was more, it was more indie, and I don't, I don't want to say it was like art house style, because it's not, but it's more indie, it's very slow and methodical in, in the pacing and whatnot, so I just wasn't expecting that style of movie. So liked it, didn't love it. The second time, liked it a little bit more. 
liked it a little bit more. I think I ended up giving it four stars on the second watch. After watching it a third time, I can truly say this is one of my favorite horror movies that that I've seen. I have reviewed over 115 horror movies. Not reviewed, but I've watched over 115 horror movies since I started the podcast uh, three years ago. So, lots of horror movies. I've watched all my favorites. And this makes it into, I want to say, the top 30, top 25, something like that. This is this is one of my favorites, 100%. Um, this is a movie that I could watch every single year. And it's because of how different it is in comparison to a lot of the other horror movies out there, okay? A lot of them follow cliches and they follow formulas that it just gets kind of old and kind of tiring, kind of boring. And you kind of just roll your eyes whenever you see these cliches played out in all of the horror movies. Like, you know, there's a there's a fine line between kind of paying homage to to previous movies in the horror genre. And there's that thin line of, okay, now we're just being cliche and I'm just rolling my eyes all the time. And I think this movie does a great job of paving its own way. And yeah, you know, it says he was in, was influenced by John Carpenter and uh, George Romero. I'm going to be honest. I have never seen any of the George Romero uh, zombie movies, which is going to be a goal of mine over the next year is to watch all those films. But I, I don't really see those influences too much in this movie. So he, he does it in a way where it's not obvious. You know, there's probably Easter eggs that I just wasn't paying attention to. But I, the, the best thing that I can say about this movie is the fact that it does not follow the suit of other horror movies. It's not cliche. Um, the other thing that I really love about this movie is the fact that it is filmed very uniquely. There are tons of... I say tons. There's there's several like 180 and 360 degree shots where it, a lot of the times it happens in the school. They'll do a 360 shot and then it'll just turn into another scene. And it's just it. I, I love the way it's filmed. And it goes back to the uh, the whole like, kind of slow and methodical pace of the movie, which I say that and it's not a complaint by any means. Um, I, I think when you when you go into a horror movie, you're you're expected to be on the edge of your seat the entire time, right? And I don't think that movie, I don't think this movie accomplishes that in a sense, but I don't think that's a negative either because, again, this movie does things on its own. It, it does things differently. So I actually believe that the slow and methodical pace of this movie, that's actually a positive for me. That's actually a good thing because it feels different from all the other movies. Now, when you watch over 100 movies in the last four years of, of the horror genre, I mean, it gets a little stale, guys. So I, I appreciate the fact that they did something different here with the pacing, with the uh, the way it's shot, because these are some of these shots in this film, they're not typically in horror films. They're, they're more of the... Uh, and I guess that's why, you know, I ha the, the thought of it being like a heart, an art house film kind of is the way that it's shot. It kind of reminds me of Hereditary in a sense that there are there's some masterful direction here and work with the cameras. Now, granted, this movie came out before 
uh, Hereditary, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess Hereditary took uh, from them, but that doesn't matter, okay? The fact is, I could kind of compare the two in that sense only, in the fact that what they're doing with the camera is really, really fucking awesome, and I really love that aspect of it. Now, I mentioned in the fun facts that there's some conflict in like the time period that this takes place in, and that they they kind of filmed it in a way to make it seem like a dream. So I definitely have those like 70s, 80s vibes throughout the entire movie, and I do get the sense of like the 60s in in in, in some scenes, um, and you get those with the aesthetics of like the the set designs. The, the actual neighborhood feels very much like 70s and 80s. And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess that kind of does feel like a, like a Halloween movie, like John Carpenter's uh, OG Halloween movie. The neighborhood kind of fits in that in that vein, in that aesthetic. I, I didn't really think about it that beforehand, so maybe that's where he's he's kind of paying tribute to John Carpenter. But the, the house designs, the sets... The electronic synth elements in the uh, in the score, even the costume designs at times, I really love the aesthetic of this movie. Because again, you don't see too many movies kind of go back in time, right? It, it's usually present day or or kind of in the near future, or maybe or maybe they go a couple years prior to to present day, right? Not not a ton of movies go back to the eighties. And I think that's some untapped potential there because when you think about it, guys, the 80s, the 90s, it was a different time, honestly. Different time. Like you you could walk outside and walk down the street and just experience life without getting like getting kidnapped and shit, right? So there's like a sense of there's like a sense of security with the 80s and 90s. So when shit like this happens, when there's a demon or a curse following you, that just kind of, the the dichotomy between those two elements is, is really, really interesting. And I love the aesthetic and the vibe of this entire movie. And the score, the score really, really brings that out in me. Like, I love the score. I love how they can go back and forth between the, uh, the electronic synth elements and make it feel like the 80s. But then they change it up with the horror elements and add those into the score. Like when the uh, when the, the demon shows up and tries to grabbing someone and it gets like really almost kind of like a pulsating synth going on. That is so fucking cool to me. Absolutely love the score in this movie. It fits well within the context of the film. And then on top of that, we have like the design of the actual quote-unquote, curse the demon, whatever you want to call it, okay? The the designs of the curse are really good to me because they they change them up every single time that you that, the, that they show up in the movie. It, it changes. It, you know, it goes from a creepy old lady in her nightgown walking through the school or we have the half-naked girl urinating on herself or even we have... Uh, old dude's mom with her tit hanging out and she goes in there and starts humping him and that's when he's when he's dead. So the grotesque nature, the uh, the, the frightening elements of the curse, of the, the, the design of the curse, 
I thought was was done very very well. And on that note, like last year we did no not last year two years ago we did the scariest horror movies of all time, right? Because it's very subjective, person to person. What what makes a movie scary, right? Uh, personally, I wouldn't rank this in my top ten for scariest movies of all time because I don't I don't find it overly scary, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is not on uh, you know on the edge of your seat kind of horror movie. This is like I said earlier, a slow methodical pace with some uh, with some horror elements thrown in there. You know, especially with the uh, the designs of the curse and you know the killings and the score and all that. Right, all A, B, C, D, all the above. I wouldn't necessarily find it horrifying or, or scary in a way. I mean, it's it's one hundred percent a horror movie. Don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't consider it scary by any means. Uh, but I do think the designs of the curse kind of lend aid to making it more scary. And I, I thought they designed it. I thought they designed the curse very very well. Uh, but other than that. Love the movie. I thought the dialogue was great. I thought the acting was was pretty damn good, honestly. Uh, the characters are all separate from one another. They're they're for the most. I mean, they don't all have character arcs, but it, it it serves the film well. I think all the characters in this movie. Now, with that being said, the couple a couple of things I do want to talk about, and it mainly revolves around Paul and Jay. Okay. So, I find it hilarious that Jay and Kelly, Kelly's the the sister, legitimately shit all over Paul for being in love with Jay, alright? Like, when they don't want him to sleep over because she might wake up to him humping her leg. Like, they are acknowledging the fact that he is in love with her, and that they don't want her there, they don't want him there, because he, like might be like rapey i don't i don't know that, that, that's the vibes that they kind of give off towards him like he's like the guy that you know it's like a peeping tom kind of guy um i i do wish they would have explored that history a little bit more and kind of give us a little bit more depth in that relationship because they don't really explore it enough they don't give us those vibes they don't give us the uh the backstory of why they feel like that okay we do know that jay and paul kissed at one point we do know that he's in love with her and he is essentially always with her and then he is 100 down he is dtf with her for sure throughout the entire movie like that dude is offering up that d the entire fucking movie and he gets turned down uh multiple times it seems and then on top of that we're going to go back. Now we're going to flip it back, guys. We're going to come back to where we started with this review, and that is the final scene with the pool. Okay? So Paul's great plan is to save Jay by having her stay in the pool, right? Honestly, this could not have gone more wrong other than her dying. Um, like, they're, she's throwing shit. And she, he, he shoots one of the other characters. <laughs> like, bruh, what are you doing, man? Like, you need to you need to stop and pay attention for a little bit. But with all that being said, I guess she ends up sleeping with him. So maybe Paul is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. I mean, I mean, who am I to question this dude on his methods when he ends up sleeping with her in the end? So, I mean, power to him, right? So overall, I think they could have developed the relationship between Paul and Jay a little bit more. And I'm kind of hoping 
that they that they kind of jump into that a little bit in the sequel to this movie. I'd be really interested to see where they take the sequel. Is it going to take is it going to follow no pun intended like immediately after the first movie or is it going to be I don't know a couple weeks down the road, you know Paul's dead from the the curse finally catching up to him or you know what what's that sequel going to be like is is very interesting to me. But overall guys, I absolutely love this movie. And honestly, I I would 100% recommend this movie. I I would recommend you buying it. Okay, not just streaming it, buy it. I ended up buying this movie on Vudu last week for $5. $5, okay? That is a fucking steal. All right? If you can get this movie for less than 10 bucks, 100% fucking buy that. Okay? Buy it. I would be willing to pay $12 to $15 for this movie right now. I, I know it's a little bit older. I know it's a little bit older. And 100%, if you can get this movie cheaper, do that. But in terms of what do I think I get out of this movie? What would I be willing to spend on this movie? 10 to 15 bucks, definitely. Like 12 bucks probably would ultimately be the max that I would spend on it. But if it was $15 and I hadn't bought it and it never goes down in price and whatnot, I would probably buy it. Like if they came out with a like a collector's edition or like a steel book of It Follows, 100% I am buying that again. Like even if it was like 30 bucks, I'd probably buy it for like a steel book. Uh, and that just goes to show you how well this movie is made. I think everything about this movie is is pretty fantastic. The only issue would be the whole pool scene. I don't really see how that really helps progress the movie in any way. Um, it kind of just seems like like a rat in a wheel kind of thing. So I would have liked for that to have been a little bit better. And honestly, that's the one thing that holds this movie back from being five stars. You're damn right. I would I would be willing to give this five stars if it were not for maybe that. And then there's a little like portion in the middle of this movie where it, it kind of slows down to a crawl. And I don't feel like they really accomplish anything. Those are my two biggest issues with the entire movie. So I'm giving this movie four and a half stars. I am absolutely in love with this movie. I don't know how much further it moves up my all-time rankings for horror movies. Mainly because the 25, 30 movies in front of it are so fucking good. And I also have the nostalgic factors in, in a lot of those movies. I don't know how it pushes up too much further. But uh, I, I could see this movie eventually getting into the top 15. Uh, who knows? Maybe next year or maybe even after doing this review. And I sit and think about it for a little bit. I mean, I could push this movie up a little bit further, you know? Because... Talking about this movie makes me kind of appreciate it more and love it more. Like, as I'm doing this review, I'm like, man, you know, would I be wrong in giving it five stars? I don't think I would be. So I could see this movie climb my all-time rankings for horror movies, and uh, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me. But guys, let me know below. Let me know on Facebook um, what you think about the movie It Follows. What do you hope from the sequel itself? Um, but I appreciate y'all joining me. This was a hell of a time reviewing all of these horror movies. I appreciate you joining me for the fourth annual series. And uh, next year, I haven't decided. It's going to be one of two subgenres, I think. It's either going to be slasher films 
or monster films. Uh, I don't know, or maybe even zombie films, but I feel like I'd, I'd, I don't necessarily want to do zombie films just yet. I feel like I would get burnt out on those very easily. Maybe we'll save those for a few years from now, but monster or slasher films, ooh, that would be so fucking good, so good. But yeah, uh, I appreciate y'all joining me, and I will catch y'all next time on another review. Laters.